0: Hello and welcome to the Block Solid Podcast, where we talk about the evolution of the property market, the newest technologies that enhance and revolutionize the world of real estate as we know it, and how we, the owners, the buyers, the renters, the investors, the inventors and the entrepreneurs can benefit from it all. I'm the Tamar, CEO and co-founder of Solid Block, pioneer startup in real estate organization, and I'd like to welcome Klaus Koning. Hi, Klaus, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. How about you?
0: Great. So Klaus is the CEO of DigiShares. It's a fintech tokenization software company that operates in Europe and the US, and it specializes in issuance and ongoing management of tokenized securities. Now, I've been with you on at least one panel so far. What I understood is that your background is mainly technical, right? I'd love to talk about that a little bit. How did you come (laughs) to what you're doing today?
1: Good question. Yes, I have a background as a researcher. Actually, I have a PhD in computer science, but I I got really tired and bored of academia quite fast. I was so lucky that I was able to do research on new technology for Hewlett Packard during my PhD. And immediately after I finished my PhD, uh, I got the chance to actually join HP on that project. So HP R&D in Silicon Valley, worked there for four years. And then we had the dot-com crisis. So HP's stock price dropped 80%, something like that. And and our project couldn't get funded inside HP. So it was decided to make it into a spin-out. Okay. That that was the first time I had the chance sort of to go to the business side, right? So I took the chance. I had no interest in being an entrepreneur at that point. I knew nothing about it, but I decided to take the chance and see it as a career development opportunity. So I became the CEO of that spin out of HP and stayed there for more than 10 years, grew wow. it into a respectable company in its own right and with a focus on AI. But after more than 10 years, I got also bored with that because I think my strength is mostly in Building up the company from the start, finding product market fit, developing the go-to-market strategy, and so on, until a reasonable size. Mm -hmm. Um, I stopped there and uh, sort of did different things, worked at a university here as an innovation consultant and started also several companies on the side. Before I sort of got into blockchain, I bought a Bitcoin back in 2014 and found that quite interesting and sort of starting to look more and more into it. And then in 2016, 17, I decided to go into blockchain really also as a kind of career development opportunity. I thought that there would be a bright future for blockchain technology and started to work in the space. Uh, full-time actually. And then I'd worked on a couple of different projects before I got wind of uh, tokenization. Actually, I needed it for my own project at the time and back like in 2017 and we couldn't really see any good providers at the time. Why? Why did
0: you need it for your own project?
1: It was basically, the idea was to create like a kind of block startup incubator on the blockchain Basically, bootstrapping of startup projects and using tokenized equity in these projects to pay anyone participating in the project. So even just with an idea, you could come into the system and to tokenize get some amount of tokens corresponding to future equity in the project or the idea and use that to pay anyone participating in the project. So it, it was, I think, a nice idealistic idea, but very difficult to get off the ground from a business perspective. We gave it up after a short time, but it allowed us to see that the state of the art back then in the tokenization space was pretty poor, right? So we looked at the token soft doesn't even exist anymore. And I think we looked at securitize. I think there were a couple of other providers also who, who are not who don't exist anymore. But eventually we decided to build our own solution because we thought we could do it a better job.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you did. I'm actually yeah. I mean, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> you know, of course I follow you guys closely. I think you guys are really strong, really, in this technological part and understanding how the crypto market trends will affect you know the tokenization trends right the whole move of and decentralization of transactions and this decentralized finance and you know movement towards tokenizing the loan and lending products and I'd really love to kind of dive into that with you in a little bit but we first kind of get to have to talk about the basics basics right so DigiShares yeah. So you founded the company. Do you have any partners that you're working with?
1: Yeah, we were three uh, co-founders back in the day. Yeah, myself and a woman called Mede, who's Mm -hmm. on the marketing side, and a Russian guy called Yuri. Actually, he's no longer in Russia. He's actually in Israel. Made his exit uh, during the crisis. He's on the technology side. I was also mostly on the technology side back then, but now I'm mostly on the business side.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, very cool. Great. So you founded the company and you worked and your goal was to, first and foremost, create a solution for yourself, for the business you had at the time. And when did you realize that there is a potential out there, that customers started knocking mm-hmm. on your door?
1: Took a long time, actually. The first couple of years were pretty quiet. Yeah. Maybe you agree, sort of, I think the years... 2019 and 2020 were pretty quiet on the tokenization front. I think we didn't see a lot of adoption back then. And I think there were only a few projects. We had a lot of focus on doing STOs. And I think it was just after the ICO. So people wanted to do STOs instead which not very few of them were successful, I think. And I think it was not a, generally a very good time for the industry, but it took time to mature. And it also took time for us to develop a functioning mature product. So it, it was okay, right? In, and then in 2021, uh, end of 2020, maybe we started to see interest and uh, it's it's just been growing since then, I would say every every quarter. And I okay. think it's yeah, still growing
0: amazing, quite, and quite fast. Yeah, so definitely. About your recent projects or any projects that you want to mention? Because I've, I've seen quite a few interesting ones in the media. And just talk to me about something that you think the audience would kind of gather the most information from on your activities.
1: Yeah, so we have quite a wide variety of projects, right? And there's no clear trend, I would say, in in what are the most typical projects and the most successful projects that we see. But I think generally we really like projects where the focus is not so much on fundraising or crowdfunding, but rather on using The technology to make an asset more liquid and to sort of reduce back office costs and sort of digitize and modernize your business, because I think that's really what we can do now. So one example of that is the market-based capital, Dallas-based real estate developer who has tokenized one asset so far using our platform and then actually listed it on T0. They are planning to tokenize several other properties this year. And and their primary reason for doing it is actually to get liquidity for the existing investors.
0: Mm-hmm. Very um, nice.
1: The asset that is mean... listed on T0 now is, is not very liquid, unfortunately. but And that's actually because the existing investors don't want to sell, which yeah. is a bit of a luxury problem.
0: Yeah, I understand. Do you have any idea on you know, whether... Do you have any idea of how this market will develop, how this liquidity can be achieved? You know, is it market <laughs> making or...
1: I think it will develop through many different sources, right? And many different factors will play into it. And a lot of companies, right, will provide different pieces uh, to the puzzle. So we have the exchanges, right? The regulated exchanges like g 0 INX, Oasis Pro, ADDX, Mm ArchX, and so on. More and more are launching. And uh, every month we hear uh, one or two new exchanges announced. And uh, I think that eventually this market will just uh, develop and grow quite uh, large. Then we have the existing exchanges like Nasdaq and Euronext and so on. They are actually also going into the space, so we will see competition for them. Mm-hmm. We also have big crypto firms like Coinbase, Consensus, and so forth, Binance, who are also going into this market and will also participate in it. And then we have decentralized exchanges like our own real estate exchange that we are working on and Realty and Realio and other companies right, that are developing sort of decentralized Bets on a liquid future for real estate assets. So, I think it just, we see so many people coming into the space, and I'm sure that we will eventually solve the task. The main problem right now is the lack of retail investor interest, but I think that it's just a matter of time that to sort of cultivate and develop that understanding in the retail investors that they now have the opportunity to invest into real estate assets. Mm-hmm. We saw it also taking. Back in the 17s, 80s, and 90s, we saw the retail investors suddenly get access to inexpensive and user-friendly stock trading, right? That actually also took many years to develop, whereas today it's very normal for retail investors to own stocks as part of their normal financial planning. I think we'll see the same happen in the real estate space over the next few years, just faster, hopefully.
0: Okay. So what do you think will happen in the real estate space? Uh, Do you think retail investors will join this organization or anything, any specific insight that you've seen in market research and so on from your customers?
1: I definitely think they will. And I think that's one of the big raison d'être for the industry, right? That we we can drag the retail investors in, we can fractionalize, we can democratize, we can develop the retail investors as a new funding channel for real estate projects. And at the same time, we can give retail investors access to real estate as an asset that they can use to protect their savings in the future and possibly uh, create more uh, equal access to more uh, attractive investments.
0: Okay. So the, you think that the main goal of tokenization is kind of more democratization and then how, what kind of benefits does tokenization add beyond the, let's say, all the fractional investment companies that are there today?
1: I think a lot of the benefits are in the infrastructure itself, right? So just the ability to self-custody your digital assets, your real estate Mm. assets, right, is at the bottom of all of it, right? We've seen a revolution and a massive amount of innovation Over the last 12 years, due to suddenly being able to self-custody your digital uh, currencies, right? And the ability to transact with digital currencies outside the bank and centralized parties, right? And now software companies can transact with digital currencies, right? We'll see the same kind of innovation with digital assets, I'm sure, over the next five, 10 years. And a massive amount of innovation. Awesome. It's impossible Uh, to predict how it'll end.
0: Okay, so this is a very interesting angle you're giving me right now. Because so you're saying that you know, we have all this fractional investment where investors kind of don't have control. They will get their passive income and they'll be at the mercy of the issuer on when they'll get their money back, right? And so... It's similar, you can look at it similarly to cryptocurrencies where, you know, with cryptocurrencies, people don't have control. They have to put money in the bank. They have to work during the hours of bank or with constraints of the applications. Sometimes in different countries like Russia or Ukraine, you know, there's no service. And so, you know, crypto is much more, obviously, it's it's, it's democratized and decentralized. So people are going in that direction in general. And so they want to hold their investments within their own wallet or within maybe a trusted third-party wallet, right? And then have control over the trading and liquidity and so on. That's interesting, but then there's a difference between traditional digital assets that are not backed by, let's say, any physical asset. They might be backed by digital, other digital assets, or they might be backed by some sort of a tech ecosystem. And these traditional securities that are now digitized slash tokenized where, you know, it's great that you have this digital representation in your wallet, but how do you actually ensure the connection to the underlying asset?
1: That's yeah, awesome. it's a great question, right? And something that we spend a lot of time working on. And we have a legal counsel employed <laughs> who's focused on that. And we work with yeah. many legal partners around the world to try to constantly uh, solve that problem and solve it better and better, I would say. So the typical approach that we follow, I'm sure you probably do the same, right? Is to tokenize the shares of the company that owns the real estate asset. And in most regulations, in most jurisdictions, it's possible to digitize shares, digitize the share cap table, digitize a share certificate or something like it. So the step from that point forward over to tokenizing it is not that big, right? So we just need the regulators to be able to understand that a token itself can actually represent a share. It may not be the share itself, but at least it represents the share and it can be used to update the share cap table if it moves around from one whitelisted wallet to another. So our approach is to follow that model and to link the token itself also legally together with the underlying asset or the SPV at least that owns yeah. or holds the asset. Right. Got it. Then we have several legal opinions that that should be a fine way to do it in, many, in most jurisdictions, I would say. Then of course you have problems in some other types of problems in some jurisdictions where you cannot fully digitize the process. And you also have many regulators who have not yet sort of clarified an understanding towards this question here. But of course, uh, to your question, this is sort of the legal framework underpinning what we are doing but still it doesn't fully protect the investor from someone doing a tokenization project with maybe a non-existing underlying asset or an asset that is grossly overvalued or something like that. Of course, we cannot. You can still cheat with that as you could with non-tokenized asset, right? It doesn't make a big difference, but I think, of course, you have more transparency, so you'll be able to see, have a better look into what's actually going on and what are the money flows and so on. And you will also have a better Agree, I think longer term, of the underlying asset actually existing, existing, possibly through oracles, demonstrating the underlying value and so on. So I think technology will also catch up with that kind of issues, but of course, it, it can never protect us completely against fraudulent uses of the technology.
0: Yeah, that's great that we have these solutions, or at least we're thinking about these solutions now. It seems like we need to make them a little more global. Are you guys licensed in any way?
1: It's not necessary for us, for our business model, because we are merely or purely a software provider. Our clients, in some cases, need to be licensed because they will be tokenizing assets, sometimes mm-hmm. for third-party companies and soliciting assets for others and so forth. But in principle, we don't need to be licensed. Uh, yeah. Normally, I would say then that there are some countries where we need certain licenses to be able to operate, but generally not.
0: Got it. And so what is exactly your platform doing for the assets in terms of technology? Which blockchain are you using? If you can break down for me the main features of DigiShares, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, it's relatively easy to say, right? Our platform is a combination of a crowdfunding platform, compliance and share cap table and corporate management platform, and a trading platform or marketplace, basically. that That's what the clients get, right? They get a system to manage the tokenization, the minting, the compliance, the share cap table over time. They also get a bulletin board marketplace where the investors can trade in a peer-to-peer fashion similar to on on the blockchain uh, using an atomic swap with no counterparty risk. And they get it with uh, integration options for KYC providers, uh, payment service providers, custodians, and so on, and sort of with different configurations available. Also integrations to exchanges, so they can list the assets on the exchanges on the blockchain side, we are totally agnostic and we can support several blockchains and we can add others on, upon request. We support mostly the EVM compatible blockchains like Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain and so on. But also Ravencoin, interestingly, is there's a lot of interest from the Ravencoin community in, in doing tokenization. And it's also, of course, it's a fork of the Bitcoin uh, chain, but just with the addition to also handle security. So it's actually a good choice for the job. And then we are working on supporting Polymesh, which of course is a fully, it's a permission institutional level blockchain just for security tokenization.
0: Got it. Okay. That's really, really exciting. So you guys are working with the EVM blockchains right now. Do you see some interoperability opportunities in the future?
1: Yeah. I think it is early days for that, I would say. We haven't seen much yet, but I know a couple of sort of migrations have been made from Ethereum to Polygon or the other way. We haven't done it yet, but I think it will happen in the future. Still, I would say, I have to say 95% of our clients are conservative, I would say, and stick to uh, the main Ethereum blockchain. But a few are more sort of savvy and have their own opinion or yeah about how to move forward. Also, I would say that it's important, of course, that when the issuers make a choice for the blockchain, they should choose a blockchain that has a, a big ecosystem, right? A big community, stable coins, sort of a uh-huh. means of payment, custodians, supporting the chain, KYC providers, and so on. All of those elements really need to be there to be able to make a solid project
0: wow that's just so cool so we have a lot of things happening at the same time we have the technology that's developing to enable investors to hold real estate in their wallets to be able to trade to be able to have control what are other blockchain uses in real estate that you guys are supporting is there anything else that you guys are doing in terms of distributions yeah. or compliance and things like that that goes also goes into the web3 category
1: yeah, so we're working on an exchange, right, for real estate that is uh, based on a, on DEX technology, decentralized exchange technology. So hopefully we can launch something at least in a pilot or trial manner later in the year. That's that's the goal. But it's, I have to say, it's very complicated, both on the legal and the technical side, to get it set up. We are working with Balancer now as a technology partner on that. But yeah, it's taking time. I so. Understand. um and then, of course, we also uh, provide a few some legal services. I would say we are not a legal firm, but sort of high-level legal services to assist the clients in making jurisdictional choices and so on.
0: Mm, got it. Very, very interesting. So the exchanges for real estate, for fractions of real estate, and it will be determined what the jurisdictions are that yeah. will be supported, yeah. right? So do you know approximately Europe or the US or anywhere else?
1: Actually, no, it's still up in the air, I would say, and it depends very much on who we partner with and so on. But I think Europe is probably going to be the starting point.
0: Yeah. Do you think the jurisdiction in Europe is more conducive to tokenization in the US or is there a third jurisdiction somewhere?
1: No, I think US is uh, number one. We see more interest from the real estate industry in the US and for the legal, we have several legal firms that are partners and where it's a routine matter to conduct a tokenization project. And it's fully clarified in the US regulation how to support tokenized securities, I would say, so that it's relatively risk-free to move on. In Europe, it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. I'm based here myself, so I know it quite well. And each country has its own jurisdiction, right? And many countries haven't fully clarified how to support legally tokenized representation of a share. Mm -hmm. And some countries have notarized, need to notarize the transfer of digital securities, which is very hard to digitize and to automate. And others have like a shared stamp duty tax, which is also really hard to digitize. So it's generally much harder in Europe. And I think it's the same picture also in Asia.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so you're saying you're still in the beginning, but do you have any idea where this industry will go? Do you have a number in mind in terms of either, let's say... Assets under management tokenized or assets being traded. Right now, according to the STO, you know, security token markets, we see a little bit over $250 million in assets traded uh, on exchanges or completely traded at least. Personally, I think it's actually not too bad because if you look at the history of the REITs and the first two years of the public REITs, for example, there was even less, like less AUM, less, I mean, less market cap, less liquidity and so on. First of all, I wonder if a lot of the trades that will happen in the future will happen more in the OTC space over the counter and rather than on exchange. And even now, if most of the trades are happening because it's wallet to wallet, you don't necessarily need an exchange with some sort of a regulatory umbrella for the OTC. I wonder if a lot of them are happening off big changes and I wonder what this industry is gonna be like in the next yeah. five to ten years.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do
0: you, any any That's projections? A any, That's a big and, question. I'm sure you guys have done some studies on the yeah. issue.
1: I think we have a good chance to make it big, I would say, all of us together, right? But it also takes that we work together on doing stuff like we're doing now, right? Educating and making sure that people can understand what we are doing and also that we produce some successful cases, right? And make them very visible. Yeah. I think the industry as a whole hasn't really delivered on the promises yet on liquidity and so on, but hopefully we can do that over the next couple of years. I think there is a real chance that we can do something, make something big out of this. But, but it really takes that we need to, I think, to some degree, get our act together and actually produce a number of very successful cases, right? And it's not necessarily about funding and crowdfunding and investing so much, more, more than it's about creating a, a great infrastructure, I would say, for liquidity and for automation and so on and innovation around that. I think we are still at the stage where we are trying to cross the chasm. We are speaking Mm. to pioneers and early adopters now, and we're not really into the mass market. I think the big real estate firms are looking at it a lot, and we speak to many of them, but also some of them are dipping their toes, right, and doing pilots and so on. But it's not real adoption yet, but hopefully uh, we'll get there. I would certainly say there's a lot of drivers for the industry, right? The entire crypto and blockchain industry is growing fast, right? And it's it's also propelling what we are doing forward. And there's cross-innovation, the DeFi space and so on. So there's a lot of trends going in the right direction that will make it easier for us. Got it. But yeah, so I think the development of liquidity on the exchanges have been disappointing. You may be right that it, if you compare it with REITs, it's not so bad. And I hadn't thought about that. You're probably right. So we should be more patient.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the REIT industry is, you know, over 20 years old, maybe in somewhere yeah. around 30 years
1: old. Yeah.
0: Well, that's number one. And number two, REITs are much larger, right? Than the majority yeah. of the assets that are on these exchanges today. And there's not a proper incentive for people to sell right now, right? Because nope. no. they don't have anything else to buy.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and that's right. That's
0: you know, and yeah. Exactly. And people actually that are investing in real estate are not inherently traders. No. So I think that once institutions enter the market and they have professional traders that are trained to do this, right? So yeah. we have to really work on that aspect and develop yeah. those avenues. And um, so, yeah, and then
1: uh, we have to uh, hope that we don't see too much noise and trouble coming from the crypto industry because it also reflects poorly on us, yeah. unfortunately.
0: That's true. Yeah. So in the crypto, even
1: winter, though we are innocent. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know, right? So that. Well, it's interesting because you know, during the crypto, it's not only the crypto winter, right away, it's also winter all
1: over the place, right? Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's not you can't really say when I look at Aspen Coin, and by the way, what is the name of that Texas token that's trading on T0?
1: The product is called Myra Park, spot at Myra Park. I'm not sure what the name of the listing is, actually.
0: Yeah. So if you look at, let's say uh, the Aspen coin, which was tokenized with SoundBlock back in the day. The Aspen coin is, of course, below, I think it's fluctuating now kind of at the price of issuance, about a dollar. But, you know, everything is kind of down and people are just needing liquidity. So if you have money sitting in Aspen coin that you can sell, fantastic, right? You're going to take it out. So yeah. I don't see any kind of contradiction here, no. and that's what happens: that markets go down and people want to sell. But you need to have yeah. all the buyers, and usually have kind of these distressed stock buyers, even right, yeah. that are buying up the stocks and or securities and wait for a rainy day. So. Yeah. This just the industry needs a lot more development and it needs to function as an ecosystem, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah in my totally. I
1: was mm-hmm. referring also to the crypto hacks and scams that we see. And uh, uh. Not, uh, fortunately, I would say, not fortunately, really, I would say, evidently, it hasn't touched our industry, right? Because we're working with security, no. so you can't steal them. Even yeah. if you manage to somehow steal them, right, we could burn and reissue. So we no. don't have the same security risk, which is, I think, very important to understand.
0: Well, that kind of limits us as well, right? If we have to keep yeah. to the centralized marketplaces, that's what stifles further innovation and also you know, the exchanges ultimately, right? Who can trade yeah. on these exchanges and the level of permission that you need. And the level of freedom, right? To take the money out. So people are kind of on the fence. And I really wonder if we can merge the two together, right? If we can somehow marry the decentralization aspect with the security, with the cybersecurity of the security space. Any ideas on this uh, realm?
1: Yeah, I think that's for instance what Polymesh is trying to do, right? So Polymesh is a permission blockchain. So everyone one the on Polymesh will be KYC by a, a trusted regulated party. Everyone will be known to someone, right? And but it will still be fully decentralized. Everyone will be able to trade with each other and to do different do the normal, do the same stuff that you can do on the open Ethereum blockchain, it will just be within a permission environment. So I Mm -hmm. think we'll just see such environments develop where everyone will be KYC'd by trusted parties and they will get larger, I think, eventually than the the on-permission space we see today. And Mm. in fact, the the on-permission space will, to some degree, suffer the same development right? because in the European Union, for instance, right now you have to whitelist your wallet even if you are trading crypto and sort of interacting with regulated exchanges. So it's, it's probably emerging longer term.
0: Interesting. So you're seeing compliance being more of a decentralized thing or permissioned rather. Like you have yeah. a few parties like what you can do today, kind uh, of to get a certificate, security certificate somewhere. And then like an ID, you can log in with your Google ID or you can log in with yeah. your, you know, it could be Bank of America, KYC ML, accreditation or whatever, right? If the banks yeah. take control of compliance or broker dealers. Okay, great. So you'll be able to get kind of the certificate and be able to actually trade wallet to wallet or buy directly from the issuer's wallet, right? So you kind of go, you look at the issuer, let's just kind of say Grant Cardone's company that has, you know, investment fund that I think is now, you know, in billions of dollars. So let's say that they go into his wallet, right? So uh, they go into, they don't go into his wallet, let's say that the assets initially go into that wallet. And then all the clients, all the investors, potentially basically bid or request to buy. And then they get the transfers, right? With some sort of a UI. Yeah. So, I mean, there is definitely decentralization here to a point where you kind of go to a third party to get this security certificate and maybe put it straight into your wallet as a proof, right? So this model is... In a way, decentralized, but yep. still the control over the asset itself is largely centralized, right? So within yep. one owner or one underwriter. So we have to go further right. and yep. suggest decentralization within the governance of the asset. Yep. 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 Yeah, I a think lot think of innovation
1: to think. be done, right? But well, that's great. I mean,
0: I think <laughs> it's fantastic, and the fact that now you also have structures like the DAOs that yep. have been, you know, legalized in states like Wyoming. There's no reason why they can't put that fund as a DAO or even an SPV where the ownership of the asset is put it into the DAO and associate some level of governance within that DAO, at least the administration of the asset, right? The checks and balances and things like that. And that already creates kind of, that's what you call democracy, right? Not yeah. enough democratization yeah. when all you do is be able to put $100 into an asset, yeah. into someone's pocket, right? Yeah. I do it every day, right? Put yeah. $100 into someone's pocket. It doesn't yeah. mean that I have any control over that company, right? Over no. that I no. love it. Okay, so I think we're getting somewhere here, changing yeah. the industry for real. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well,
1: I think that that's what's so exciting at being part of this. I think this huge innovation we see all the time, right? Keeping up with that and uh, the new development is just mind blowing.
0: I know, right? That's why we're here. That's, that's why, why we're. Here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, this is really cool, and I really appreciate your time. I want to hear about kind of what you, if you want to give the audience. Any information about what you guys are launching, any new projects, or where we can find you, where we can follow you, how clients can find you?
1: Yeah, we are easy to find, right? So we are quite active, I would say, on the marketing side, as you are also, right? So we do a lot of events. We have a monthly webinar with different themes. This month is about ESG. Mm -hmm. impact, sustainability, right, and how the tokenization industry can uh, influence that movement. Then we have uh, masterclasses. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas next week, actually doing a masterclass at the Blueprint Conference. And again, in San Jose, in Silicon Valley, in October at the Blockchain Expo Conference. We are also going to do something similar to that in Amsterdam in a couple of weeks and in London in November. And then I guess sort of on the company side, yeah, a lot of focus is on the exchange. But of course, we also keep developing on the normal sort of white label platform, new functionality, new payment options, and so on, and new automations. So yeah, lots going on.
0: I love it. And so they can find you on uh,
1: digishares.io.
0: Fantastic. And everywhere on social media. So it's really exciting and the time just flew by. Yeah. Thanks for joining me on the Block Solid podcast today, Klaus. It was great having you with us. Likewise. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or by visiting our website, solidblock.co slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review, spread the word, and go and check out DigiShares.